Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Yeah, well, that's going to be the last time we get to hear that French music, that beautiful French music here in Lourdes, France. We're still on pilgrimage with the Catholic Cafe and the French Catholic Cafe. Fra Tom, we're kind of wrapping things up here on our pilgrimage. That's it. We're about out the door. It's, it's been so, such a beautiful, wonderful experience. And, you know, I think the only thing would cap this off if we had one final guest. They would just be like just over the top. Probably the best guest we've ever had I, I at totally the Catholic agree. Cafe. I totally we're, agree. We're, you know, and we got a pretty high bar. To, you know. Yes. And speaking of the bar, here is Father, <laughs> Father Richard Mullins. <laughs> Three priests walked into a bar. The fourth one ducked. <laughs> well, well, thank, Father Richard, thank you so much for joining us here. Now, I should say that Father Richard um, is the an oratorian in formation for the oratorian community of St. Philip Neri in Washington, D.C., and that's a mouthful. Well, yes, it is. And hopefully at the end of this, by the end of the show, we'll have explained kind of what all that stuff means. Sure. Well, hopefully people out there know about Philip Neri, St. Philip Neri, and what a great man he was. Well, he founded an institution called the Oratory. What is an oratory? An oratory is a community of men, of priests usually, and sometimes with brothers, who live together, living a common life of prayer and meals together, and then during the day, each one goes out to his own apostolate. So, for instance, in the Oratory in Far, Texas, they're all pastors. They all have churches that they go out to, but then they pray together in the beginning of the day and they pray together in the evening and they come together for meals and then they go back to their parishes and have their appointments so it's a fancy hotel is what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) well actually the the good thing about the oratory is it's not a fancy hotel which which a rectory can be because a priest very often priests can live around each other rather than with each other in a rectory. Well, you setting. know, I was being mm-hmm. facetious. Uh, why? It's, yes, I know. You it know. is. It's the opposite of that. Really, it's an opportunity to to live a a, a true spiritual life in this right yeah, in a community. Like Saint Philip Neri, you are a jokester. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and we'll but talk you, about that more. Right. But living in a rectory can also be a lonely life. Yes, which it can. can be a problem too. Yes, but I will say a, a little caveat. Saint Philip Neri said in Latin and eloquently that. The greatest mortification is community life. So like family life, it's your greatest blessing. You have your brothers and sisters around you. They can also be sometime, sometimes a, a pain in the neck. But you do it together. You do it as a family, and you grow in holiness. You grow in hope. You grow in faith. You grow in love. And you serve the church at the same time with the same vision and working together to draw others to Christ, as St. Philip Neri did. Right, and so this uh, oratorian community that you guys are involved here in Washington D.C., your uh, your patron is Saint Philip Neri. That's correct. And and obviously because now he, did he start this whole process? I mean, uh, he didn't want to be a founder. He didn't want to start anything. He just wanted. Those to are the be, guys that always start everything, <laughs> though, isn't it? <laughs> he just wanted to be a nice guy. He just wanted to be left alone and pursue holiness. Well, we have to really begin at the at the beginning with. St. Philip Neri's life. He was born in Florence, and Florence was always a big part of his life, that city-state that uh, we know the day he was born, 
and we know what he was doing the day after he was born because all Florentines were taken to the baptistry in Florence, which is right next door to the cathedral, and they were all baptized in that same baptistry. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so we know every parish church has a baptistry, but there all Florentines were baptized in that one baptistry, and I bet you cannot guess the name of that baptistry. Uh, I don't know. Uh, St. John the Baptist. Oh, well, there you go. See, yeah. that's a logical name. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So he, yeah. that makes the, the record-keeping easy, too. It does. It? And if you've ever been in the baptistry in Florence, have you ever been to Florence? I've not been to Florence. See, you need to go. We need a, a location radio show from Florence. There we go. We need All to right. take the Catholic Cafe to exactly. Florence. Time to pilgrimage again. Cafe yes. Fiorentino. Yeah, it sounds great. Exactly. I'm, I'm right there with you. So, but the baptistry is an octagonal structure right next door to the cathedral, which in Italy they would call the the Duomo. And you go through these magnificent large doors, and there's a huge basin in front of you. But then you look up, and there's an incredible ceiling of mosaic tile depicting paradise. So reminding us that we are baptized into the kingdom. Beautiful. And where we hope to be. So Philip Neary said on several occasions, you know, I prefer paradise. Well, he saw his first glimpse of paradise, whether he was able to focus on it or not. That's right. In that baptistry in Florence in 1515. And he grew up a, a normal child, but a very good child. And they only, find, uh, they only found one instance of him misbehaving in his childhood. And he sort of pushed his sister and that was basically to get her quiet because everybody was praying. But that was the only thing they could ever find really? in his life that, that, that was even questionable. Wow. What a, that's a pretty, mm. uh, pretty holy little kid. Yeah. Then. Yeah. So Florence was a walled city, and his parents lived just outside the city walls, and he was very influenced by the Dominicans. And there was one Dominican in particular who uh, his parents were great adherence of, and, and that was the Dominican uh, uh, Savonarola, perhaps you've heard the name. Right. Now, uh, No, I haven't. That's my way of saying, uh-huh. Okay. Well, well Savonarola was a Dominican who started, if you, if you know, the bonfire of the vanities. I've heard of that. The bonfire was when all the Florentine, the, the, the Savonarola would, you know, that, I hear that cash register go that's off. Right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Another happy customer. <laughs> so Savonarola would would give these great sermons talking about how we need to give up all all of the vanities of life and so people would be in tears and they would be bringing out their their playing cards and their dresses their fancy clothes and and putting them on the bonfire botticelli the famous artist who painted venus threw his paintings on the bonfires to to try and mitigate uh, the sins of of vanity yeah, that's about a twenty, thirty, forty million dollars up in flames. <laughs> yeah, but that, amazing. Yeah, not but at that, the time, but but now. Well, people got a little tired of it. So after they had burned all the vanities in Florence, Florence, they then burned Savonarola. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, so some people regarded him as a saint; others not so much. But he definitely grew up in an atmosphere that that sought holiness and minimized the emphasis of anything of the world. And his parents followed Savonarola. Now, Savonarola was about 15 years dead when, when Philip Neary came into the world. But it was definitely something very prevalent 
and Florence. And it was still, there was still very much of an atmosphere of that. So he would always be, he would be naturally sort of attracted to the, 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 what's going on with the poor or the sick or the people, the disenfranchised, and just maybe the people that would not have anything and maybe see that that's where he needed to kind of spend some time. Yes, and he, he certainly saw uh, the importance of the Eucharist and the importance of confession. And uh, when he was 12 years old, Florence was under siege. And right before the siege, when they heard the army was at the gates, they brought all the priests to the town, the walled city, and they heard confessions for hours and hours and hours and hours. And so that made a huge impression on, on Philip Neri. Not only that, but uh, he saw everyone coming forward to receive Holy Communion, which, of course, at the time was something that people did maybe once a year. Right. It was not, it was not often that people would receive frequent communion. So all of this made an impact on, on St. Philip Neri. So later on in life, that he made sure he was always available for confessions. And there was always a doorbell that people could ring, and they could come there, and they could receive confession any time of the day or night. He would get up from his meals. He would get up from his bed. And he was also the advocate of frequent communion. Everything in the church, not everything, but, but all the, the things in the church that we see from the 20th century and from Vatican II really started with St. Philip Neri, lay involvement, all of this, that, that he really started it all. People think it sort of started then, but he got the ball rolling with frequent communion and with encouraging people back to the sacrament of confession. In fact, I think he was hearing confessions on the day he died is something I read it, on the, the very day he died. Right before he, he died. Not only that, but he, but he, raised, uh, he, he once raised a young man from the dead, heard his confession, and then the young man went, went back to death. He said, do you want to go back and die and go to heaven? The, he said, yes. He put his head back on the pillow and died again. Well, that's an, that's an incredible story. Yeah. He gets style points. Philip yeah, Neri definitely gets the style exactly points. Exactly right. Wow. But we shouldn't tell our folks at home, though, that that's a good idea not to go to confession until you die and hope that somebody's <laughs> going to raise you up from the dead and offer you that opportunity. That is a card you play once, my friend. <laughs> yes. yes. Do not count on that. <laughs> exactly. That sounds good. Now, I also know that he's uh, uh, had this, um, this title, or, or he was called the Apostle of Rome. Correct. What was that all about? Okay, well, Philip Neary had the opportunity to become uh, a wealthy merchant. He was apprenticed to his uncle, who was a great merchant, very successful. The Florentines were known for, for being merchants and great traders. And he had an epiphany. He went to live with his uncle. He went up to the top of the mountain. He found a, he found a good priest who said, you know, go and find a quiet place to pray. And so up he went to the mountain. And he prayed, and while he was there, he had a great experience of God and realized that he was called to something else. Now, at the time, not necessarily to priesthood, he didn't think, but certainly to evangelize, to bring people to the Lord. And so he made his way to Rome and immediately started to work among the poor. He got there on Christmas Eve, found his way to the Mass at St. Peter's, and then went back to a sort of hostile, not, not a hostile environment, right, right, but, right, right, right. but a, uh, a sort, of, sort of like a hotel-type hostel. And it was there that he started to work among the poor. And he, he originally thought that maybe he could be a hermit, but instead he became a great apostle. He thought for a while he might want to be a Jesuit. And he went to see St. Ignatius of Loyola, and he said to St. Ignatius, 
you know, I, I want to go to India and be a martyr. And St. Ignatius looked at him and said, Rome will be your India. And so he became a great missionary right there on the streets of Rome. Yeah, he used to, I mean, he ministered to the prostitutes. He, it, uh, to he, uh, he would engage people just in conversation, wouldn't he? Just walk around and, and talk to folks. He did. And, you know, we, we see him as the apostle of Christian joy because he did. He brought joy to everyone. And that was something that was itself very revolutionary. We think right now, you know, and Pope Francis has talked about holy priests. We always saw a smile on the face of, of Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis has challenged us to be holy and happy. And that really started with St. Philip Neri. Right now, you know, we, we look at other religious orders. Well, they were very ascetic. You know, the Dominicans were great ascetic mendicants, and, and the Franciscans. Now we sort of think of them as crunchy granola and the guys in the sandals. Right. But, <laughs> but really, back then, you know, they had their long beards, and they were very, you know, they, they, they were very tough men. Right. And they, they, they weren't very huggy. But St. Philip Neri went around with a smile on his face and, and talking to people, and, and he was nice to people, and that had never been done before in a religious order. That's amazing. Well, we're going to hear comparison. more about the warm and fuzzy uh, St. Philip Neri uh, in just a second. We're going to take a break, <laughs> but before we do that, we want to remind folks at home, we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we're going to be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. How many of us recall in years past a visit to a grandmother or older Catholic friend and being immersed in signs and symbols of the Catholic faith? Crucifixes adorning the walls of every room, a Blessed Mother statue in the garden, rosaries lying on the nightstands, Holy cards and other pictures of saints were everywhere to the point where one could not help but see the faith of the person dwelling in the house. These objects and prayer cards are part of the wonderful tradition of the church known as sacramentals. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, a sacramental is a sacred sign by which spiritual effects are signified and obtained through the prayers of the church. Just as working people keep pictures of their loved ones at their offices to remind them of their family when not at home, and just as married couples wear wedding rings to signify the commitment of life and love made to their spouses, so the church encourages us to have sacred objects about us as reminders of our faith. If we truly love Jesus and desire with our hearts to be saints in heaven with him, it is only natural that we should want reminders of our beloved Lord all about us. And what is truly wonderful is these holy objects can help us with our prayer and keep us on the road to sanctity. The church has an ancient tradition of the faithful bringing sacramentals to the priest or deacon to have them blessed. A blessing of an object is a prayer over that object, setting it apart for use for prayer and asking the Lord to allow the object to be used as an instrument of grace. Once blessed, the objects are different in a sense, consecrated or set apart for God, and thereafter deserve a special reverence. We need to ask ourselves, if a stranger came into our home, would he find evidence of our faith? 
consider placing a crucifix in every room of your house to be visibly reminded of the supreme love of God in offering His Son. Or place a Bible in a prominent space to emphasize the importance of the Word of God. Perhaps have a holy water font in your house so family members can bless themselves before prayer. And be sure to make gifts of religious objects to graduates or young Catholic couples getting married, as these instruments of faith will likely be more important to these young people than anything listed in the bridal registry. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth in the French Catholic Cafe here in Lourdes, France. We're here with Father Richard Mullins, and we're talking about oratories, St. Philip Neri, and all that kind of stuff. So we really ought to talk about this thing called the Congregation of the Oratory that he started, this revolutionary new idea apparently back then. So tell us all about that. How did he get that started? It started very informally. The oratory involved, evolved. He never started out wanting to found any kind of religious Remember, He wasn't a founder of anything. He didn't want to found anything. Yeah, exactly. He didn't want to start anything, but he did. He did, <laughs> yes. Well, what happened was that he started drawing people to himself, especially anyone who was at risk. And so the Romans now, as then, had the tradition of the, uh, have the tradition of the siesta, and so from about 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock, maybe 5 o'clock, you know, they don't do anything. They, they just go home and they have lunch and then they have a rest. It reminds me of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign of a vocation. Yeah, right. And uh, so what happened was, that, as you can imagine, that young men in Rome might get into trouble in those time periods because they'd want to go... You know, into the taverns and, and have a few drinks, and then the fights would break out, and there would be all sorts of problems. And so right. St. Philip Neri thought, well, he, he would just bring these young men up to his room and then start talking about holy things and have a reading from Scripture. So he started basically taking, uh, just getting their attention and kind of, hey, exactly. and rather than spend your free time over there, let's uh, spend your free time here. Let's read Scriptures. And- exactly. And, and it snowballed. So then he started doing things with them, like going out and, and, and serving the, uh, the, the poor. They, they had a, a hostel for pilgrims, and they would feed them, and they would have nice meals together. And he would have them sometimes go on a walk, a seven-church walk. And at its peak, there were 2,000 people going on this seven-church walk. That would be an amazing thing to see. Yeah. Now, we, we think of Rome in the 1500s, and we think what, what a beautiful halcyon time in the church that must have been. Well, not true at all. It was a time of a great malaise, and the clergy could often be called disinterested. Uh, there were problems in the leadership. But great holy people like... St. Philip Neri reached out, reached out to the young, reached out to, to anyone that he could find to, to spread the message. And so it all started in his room. And then what happened was that the, all of these people wanted to come together in a more formal structure. So eventually the, the oratory began. 
and one of his disciples uh, was was ordained a priest and then saint philip neri himself was ordained a priest but not till he was 35 years old which by then was a very late vocation right you know, people had a you know lifetime expectancy of 36 so just kidding yeah. <laughs> so. but he got one good year yeah. Yeah. Very, did a lot in, in a year yeah he, he actually lived to 79 which which back then was a ripe old age yeah absolutely and so he founded the the one congregation and then it, it got very popular, and then a, a group in Naples wanted to uh, form an oratory, and he said, okay, but, but you're going to be completely independent from this house, and you can use the structure and everything else, but you're going to be completely in- independent. And so then uh, there was another house and another house and another house. Pretty soon we have a, a, an idea that's uh, catching on. Indeed. It became very popular. Because, as in the model of St. Philip Neri, they wanted to reach out to, to young people and to bring them uh, the good news. Ah. Because mm. he really had the laity evangelize each other and go out and bring their friends in. Well, I know people listening are probably thinking, what actually happens in an oratory? I mean, what, we hear things about, we hear about singing or preaching or teaching or talking or reading scriptures mm-hmm. what actually happens on a sort of a day you don't have to have the whole yeah. schedule but what what actually happens in an oratory can you sing by the way no no you can't sing <laughs> well it just depends dominus poviscum that, that's good that's <laughs> good can you give me an ite misa est which one do you want to surprise me well we'll just do ite misa est good job okay well you know the word oratorio we, we talk about musical oratorios that comes from St. Philip Neri. Now everyone can put on their iPod or turn on the radio and have music. Well, back then, you know, music was something that, that was not so accessible. So Philip Neri would put on the musical oratory, so sometimes there would be music, and he would draw the young people that way, that they would have music in church, that he really gave rise to. So he was the first one to encourage, like, guitars and tambourines and uh, all these <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. In fact, he. Uh, in fact, have you ever heard of Palestrina, the great composer oh, Palestrina? Yes, absolutely. Right? He was one of his spiritual directees, a follower of St. Philip Neri. Uh, the Sikut Cervus is one exactly. of the most beautiful pieces I think I've ever heard. It, I love exactly, that. Exactly, yes. And this is the kind of uh, thing that would attract people, and they would come, and they would yes. want to hear this, and they would feel like they were in a sacred space. Yes, so they would attract people with, pr- with prayer, with music, and with good preaching. What is the purpose of that oratory? What is the ideal situation? Why do you have an oratory? Okay, well, the, the word oratory comes from the word in Latin to pray. So you come together. It's a house of prayer. In fact, the motto of the oratory is my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. What would be St. Philip's goal? Uh, what would he want to see in terms of transformation of the people that would come to the oratory? Ongoing conversion of life. Amen. He would take people, some of whom were, were very great sinners, very worldly people, you know, uh, prostitutes and, and so forth, and young men who had a lot of issues, and he would bring them in and convert them to Catholicism. There's awesome. a famous story that, mm-hmm. that somebody tried to trick him, and they, they brought him into a house of ill repute, and they thought that they could... Uh, that they, that they could impinge on his virtue, and instead he ended up converting the young ladies who were in there. And so we really see the power 
of, of that holiness. Now, he was a very holy man, but he also had a, a, a really wicked sense of humor. I say wicked, but with little quotes around us. <laughs> a righteous sense of humor. <laughs> righteous. He, was, he was a righteous comedian. He uh, did. And so I know there's some funny stories about him, or at least some funny ways of looking at things that he did. Sure. Well, he, he always saw humor. He saw humor in everything, and, and he really had that, that, great, that great joy. And first, we have to know he had the fire of the Holy Spirit in him. He That's had, right. He had a great epiphany, uh, and he received the Holy Spirit in him. And, and I think that the Holy Spirit, uh, as, as one of the great uh, charisms, gives us that gift of joy. And so he certainly had that. And so he would... Uh, have funny penances that he would give to people now any priest listening do not try this at home you have to be saint philip neary to be able to pull this off but he would find little ways for people to uh to become more humble and one of the penances that he gave was for someone to to walk around rome holding his cat he had a, he had a cat and, in fact, when they asked him to move or, into the oratory, and he didn't want to move into the oratory initially, he said, well, I, I can't leave the, the rectory at uh, San Geronimo because I cannot leave my cat. And so the penance was, well, then carry your cat all around. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so he would give that as a, as a penance. Uh, he also had people walk around with a monkey, and uh, he actually trained that monkey. Uh, to do different things now. Uh, I'm thankful now for the ten Hail Marys or whatever. Because yes, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. I know there was another story about a, 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 a prideful uh, preacher who once uh, preached a beautiful sermon. Yes, that's right. In fact, I think that that was Cardinal Baronius uh, when he was a young priest. But uh, he preached a beautiful sermon, and everybody was complimenting him and telling him how wonderful it was, and and. So to overcome the, the sin of pride, Philip Neary said, well, okay, now now that same homily that everyone was complimenting you on, preach it again next Sunday. So he did. And then he told him to preach it again and again <laughs> and again until everyone said, oh, you know, that Father Baronius, that's Father one homily. That's all he's got. <laughs> and everybody just started to laugh at A him. A lesson in humility. <laughs> Indeed. Well, it sounds like uh, he was a fun guy, but a really holy and inspirational guy. And obviously, being a Saint Philip Neri, he is. And still, to this day, we see the effects uh, of him on people like you, but also That's just right. in this idea of this uh, uh, oratories and this oratorian community you have in Washington, uh, D.C. And so, uh, Father Richard, thank you so much for spending some, some time here with us. Indeed. Thank Wonderful. you so much. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're wrapping up our pilgrimage here uh, in Lourdes, Fratom. It's been a great uh, a time here, yes. and uh, we're, we're going out big with Father Richard Mullins, and uh, yes. and so uh, we should ask Our Lady one one last time one here last on the air uh, to to intercede on our behalf. How about that? that so we close out good, our program and close out our pilgrimage. In name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full, full of grace. grace. The, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee.
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. 